Hi, I'm Father Daniel Duplantis. In the 20th century, a new movement from the Far East captured the Western mind. Since then, the intersection of Christianity and martial arts has generated both conflict and harmony. In between, there remains many gray areas. In my new book, Jesus in the Dojo, I combine timeless theology with modern catechesis to provide a clearer path of reconciliation between the Christian faith and the practice of martial arts. You can find my book, Jesus in the Dojo, available now at most booksellers. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to A Catholic's Perspective, the podcast all about being a young Catholic surviving in a secular world. Today, I have two very special guests with me, the Catholic couple, Bobby and Katie Fredrickson. Welcome. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us, Amber. Absolutely. I'm really excited for our topic today. Today, we're talking about being a disciple for Christ. And I think this is a topic that we need to talk more about, especially for the younger generation. I think it's something that we need to kind of introduce to them and be like, hey, this is how you can follow Christ. This is what it might look like. This is what it might mean for your life. So I'm very excited for our topic today. Yeah, definitely. I think too, a lot of it, like we hear that word so many times yeah, that it's just word. like a buzzword. Mm -hmm. It's like, but no one ever stops to actually explain what that looks like practically, right. how we can become one and how can we grow doing it. So I think it's definitely something to, to unpack. It does look different in every generation too. Mm, so true. And I remember seeing like the word disciple and I was just like, oh, I'm so used to that word. I, I know what that means. But then when you actually think about it, it's like, do I actually know what that means? Right. You know, and that's something. So if in from your guys' experience, like what does it look like and what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? Well, for, for me, when I first heard that word, when I first I was like, I'm a convert. So I was at the amazing Paris conference, maybe like 14, 15 years ago. And I heard a speaker talking about the difference between a fan and a follower. Mm. I was like a fan. I was like, I really like Jesus. I really liked his teachings. But a follower is somebody who gets into the game. A fan mm. is just somebody who's on the sidelines, just cheering it on. But being the disciples, actually getting at the feet of Jesus, that's what disciples did. They'd sit at the feet of their teacher and learn from him directly. Right. So like I like I use think of the word in it discipline right but like it's taking on the disciplines of of jesus right like uh learning from him as a model but taking on his the disciplines that that he had or, or want for us you know it's giving giving a a guide to life hmm. right seeing the world the way that he sees it through right. his lens yeah. right it's right. action it's action it's not passive like you said yeah that's beautiful. And I definitely think a lot of the times we kind of get into our own little world and we're like, oh, it's so hard to be publicly Catholic. You know, it's so hard to be publicly a disciple for Christ. You know, oh, it's so easy to be a follower of Christ by myself in my room. But to go out in the world and to be like, oh, you know, I am a strong disciple of Christ and I'm going to bring people to him. That can be very difficult. I think there's so many different stories I've heard of people you know, struggling with that. What are your guys' own stories when it comes to being disciples of Christ? I think that that takes uh, reflective action. Like, like living in the moment is hard. Yeah. And I think that when you reflect on, like I was just at a, a birthday party and there were, uh, I'd say fa some fallen away Catholics there, you know, just hear like the little comments, you know, and I think I said some positive things, but I left that party going, you know, I could have said this better in this moment. Like I probably could have expound, but it's not, I mean, 
I guess you have to pick your battles, but I, I think that we're always that walking billboard. If we, if the people in our lives know that we're, you know, the practicing Catholic, that maybe we do need to shed that, that light and that, um, the truth in, in places when it is uncomfortable. Yeah. And for me, discipleship, a lot of it has to do with, uh, I heard a good definition was a disciple, someone who's willing to change their schedule to get closer to Jesus. Mm. And for me, I was a convert. I became Catholic 15 years ago. So I, up with all the customs and the traditions. So I got really engulfed in learning and reading and studying. And I was doing all the, you know, changing my schedule to, to try to, to learn and to do it. And eventually led me to like daily mass. Like for me, the sacraments were the most important thing to, to kind of get into that. But as I grew, I just kind of got too isolated and too much about me as a disciple. And then I heard the second part of the definition is that someone i wanted to be someone who's willing to change their schedule to help someone else get to jesus that's like a missionary disciple mm -hmm. so because it, a lot of times too you it, gotta start on yourself first you that, gotta yeah that was my to, journey you yeah. can't give what you don't have yeah you know so if you have you know and, and it's a constant cultivation of faith it's 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 never just a one and done well got it okay and i'm gonna go share it it's it's a constant yes uh, an ongoing conversion. An on ongoing conversion of yourself. And that's the thing though, just because you're not there yet doesn't mean you can't invite other people on your journey with you. So it's like, if you're working on, on certain things in your faith, you can have those conversations with people. And it's, that's, that's actually where fruit is because it's vulnerability and it's being real and it's, you know, it's raw and it's authentic. And it's sharing that, you know, I, I taught theology to freshmen at a, you know, a high school, a local high school. And you know, that they, when you're real with them and you share your own personal struggles and the questions that you have, you know, and allow them to ask questions and, and, you know, not just a, this is what we teach and this, and that's it. You know, it's just more things that walking inviting them, them in and walking and, with them. Right. And walking with them and, and letting them know I, I don't have it all figured out either. Yeah. So, and that's okay. Yeah. And I think that's something this generation needs to know because I think there's so much pressure put on the younger generation. I mean, there's pressure put on every generation, but especially mm -hmm. now with the increase of technology, with school, with, you know, finding jobs nowadays, there's so much pressure on the younger generation that, you know, when they hear about religion, it just feels like another pressure, you know, mm -hmm. something that they now have to also do. And, you know, we'll be being able to, that, right. right? That's right. drive for perfection and everything. Cause you see everybody's highlight reel, right? We, mm -hmm. we don't see the, 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 the areas of growth and weakness where somebody overcame. It's just always their perfection. We see, so these kids think they have to be perfect. And if they're not perfect, they don't want to try it. So yeah, if, exactly. a, if a religion expects me to be perfect, I don't, yeah, I don't need another thing to make demands on me. Exactly. And I think that's what we're seeing these days. And it's so sad because it's like, no, like with the rise of social media, you're right. Everybody puts their best face forward, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes their best face isn't their best face. It's actually fake. You know, yeah. it's not real. It's Some okay. people will be like, oh, yeah, you know, I just went for a run this morning and I had like the best breakfast and everything. And then for, like maybe from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. they had the best day ever, but then from 12 p.m. to 10 p.m. they're binging like sister wives or something on the couch. <laughs> Do not suggest watching that show. But, right. <laughs> but you know what I mean? And so, yeah, this whole thing with social media these days can really take up a lot of energy, I think, in the younger generation. So when they're you know, not bombarded, but when they're, um, when they discover like this religion thing, they kind of turn away from it because they're expected to be perfect, like you said. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's the case at all when they actually learn about it and realize it's actually freeing. But mm -hmm. in the moment, I can understand where they would get that idea, you know? 
Yeah. And I think you guys both hit on it is that what the young people are looking for is authenticity is that because they can read through that, see through it that because, you know, we have two children and we could tell them about the faith all they want, but if we're not living it, right. they're not going to take it seriously. If I'm not going to mass, they're, they're going to know like, well, dad doesn't think it's important. Why should I? And we always say more, more is caught, caught than more than is caught, caught than taught. Yeah. Because it, and sure. it is, and when you can genuinely, when you're a disciple of Christ, you take on that, and it's hard. But that's the best part about Catholicism was when you fall. Yeah, that's th then then you repent when you to, fall. When yeah, like that. But be um, honest. About look it. at us; we're imperfect people. Like to our kids, you know, we make mistakes too, and and look at how we grow from that. Like again, like kind of having that growth mindset and seeing, you know, that it's okay that it's okay to not be perfect, and that we're striving to be better. We're striving to be saints, but you, you know, and that's what's, here's another thing too. I, I'm a cradle Catholic and he's the convert. And I grew up, I had to, you know, it's like the checklist, the box checker, like I have to do this A, B and C because I was told I had to. Right. And he, he came, comes in and wants to like read all the books and do all the things. And, you know, I grew up with saint stories and to me, they made it so boring. And so now like, as like reading them, like reading these lives through like these people were amazing you know um and so to package it in that not just that they're sitting there like oh all the time that saints had raw real issues and overcame them like right. that's how we should be packaging that to, especially to youth especially like saint joan of arc saint Therese of Lisieux, like all these people there's a reason god gave us such a diverse you know uh <laughs> list of saints is right. because we're all different and yeah. You can find a saint of your own heritage, of your own age, of your own issue, some walk of like, Struggles. yeah, like Jesus planned for this. You know, God planned to have different saints to fit our different needs and to have our as our patron saints. And I think a lot of people, you know, especially cradle Catholics, I'm also a cradle Catholic. My fiance is a convert. Um, so I, I totally get the dynamic. And, yeah. you know, when I was picking out my confirmation saint, I was like, I don't know, just whatever I don't care like whatever you know yeah, right but then when Max came into uh Catholicism he really took a long time to figure out okay who do I want to be my patron saint to who do I connect with you know he really took the time because he came took into the faith later yeah. yeah and for me I was just like whatever I don't care mm -hmm. and now obviously looking back I have more respect for the patron saint I chose and I mm -hmm. I realized my patron saint chose me her name's Saint Rosa of Lima um <gasps> mine that's no crazy. way. Yeah, that's who I picked. But I was very superficial in grade in eighth grade. I picked her because she was a patron saint of beauty. So. I picked her because her name was Rose. <laughs> I love but, that. What? Yeah. Wait, what's what's Bobby's patron saint? Uh, saint Michael. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I love that. Okay, that's so, oh. that's so uh, uh, manly. I guess that's what I thought. I'm like, I need. Well, to be honest, mine was because. I was, uh, I had a sordid past and I was the, you know, the bad boy and I needed all the protection. I got the <laughs> St. Michael tattooed on my arm, St. Benedict yeah. medal. We so love I it. All the, I need all the protection. He has a full sure. sleeve, just Catholic sleeve. His whole oh. arm is. Hey, I mean, a Catholic sleeve, you're protected, man. You get that blessed. <laughs> and then it's like, you're wearing, you're wearing a St. Benedict medal 24 yeah. seven. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's, and it's helped really spark conversations all over the place. Everyone always What's asks that? about What's your tattoos mean? and then yeah. it just gives you, an, and, and if someone asks you like, are you sure? you want to ask because uh i'm going to go on a tangent <laughs> we here have time 
I love that. But I mean, like, like you said, like, those are great conversation starters. Wearing medals are great conversation starters. Mm. I've worn shirts before in public where they're like Catholic, but people are like, what is like momentum more I mean, or what is, you know, all these things mean. And I'm like, well, let me tell you. I (laughs) also have that tattooed on my arm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that a lot. I get that a lot. (laughs) What does this mean? The time is three o'clock on the. Yeah, like what, what's that clock? I'm yeah, like, oh, that's three o'clock. o'clock. You know, that's the time Jesus died. It has mm-hmm. helps me remember. <laughs> yeah. Also, but- the the hour of mercy. Like, there's right. so much, and I think that's so important because, like, like you were saying earlier, Katie. Like, as Catholics, we do need to live out our faith. You know, we can't just be Catholic in the church. Once we leave church, we also have to still practice our faith. And if we are like. I forget the term, but like basically the Gerber baby, you know, because we are Catholics. Um, we're supposed to be sharing our faith out there. It's like we have to wear these things. And I think it's definitely one thing if we're asked about stuff, right? Like you guys are asked about stuff. You're asked about your tattoos and everything like that. And that's great conversation starter. But then I was in um, Colorado recently and while we were walking through Pearl Street, which is this very popular street in um, Colorado, in uh, Boulder, Colorado, there was a homeless man with one sock on and one sock off, but he was like screaming the gospel at the top of his lungs. And I was just like, that's Okay, maybe not the route. I, maybe not the route I would have taken, but <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, are we screaming the gospel at the top of our lungs with what right. we do and our actions and like how we're living our lives, or are we like whispering it? And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a quiet person in general. I don't like to stir up controversy or cause issues, mm-hmm. but I definitely think being a disciple of Christ, that's going to happen no matter what. Yeah, that was one thing. Uh- Jesus definitely said what's going to happen is that you're going to get into some trouble. And what was it? G.K. Chesterton said that the mark of a disciple, you're going to be unbelievably happy and you're going to be in constant trouble. You know, that's that's just what, what's going to happen because we're supposed to challenge that status quo. Um, you know, for me, I, I used to get ridiculed at work because I would be reading the Bible and I was almost fired from my job because of my religion. And then I just, then I started going to daily mass and then fast forward, like three years later, I'm leading prayer at work. It's like, it's just so funny. Like how, how God, when you're faithful and you do these things, things kind of flip themselves around and, and trust, yeah, they, they would try to tease me and say, Bobby Jesus, you know, they would call me Bobby Jesus. Like it was an insult. I'm like, you're, you're putting my name with Jesus's name. I just bow my head and show reverence. And then, but, you know, on the flip side of the discipleship, when you're not perfect, they, they're quick. Other people yeah. are really quick to call you out like, oh, I thought you go to church. I thought you're this. I said, well, I do. But I don't think you understand the way that we as Catholics see the church. The church is a hospital for to go. Not because I think I have it all together is because I know I don't. And God does. And he has his life giving blood in the in the Eucharist, in the sacraments. I go there for him to fill me up, to empty out myself. I don't go because I think I'm a saint. I go because I know I'm a sinner. And that's, right. when you say that to other people, and because that's true. I know, I, I know, like I said, I have a sordid past and I'm constantly have to, you know, have to check myself because I have so many built habits. It took me 15 years building them in. So that's why I think what Katie was talking about with discipleship, it does require discipline. Because it's really easy in this world to, you know, it's just like a diet. It's like you fall off over the weekend, you have a bunch of cheat meals on the weekend, and then Monday comes, it's like you don't feel like getting back into the, whether that's you missed the gym or you're not eating right. And then Monday comes, it's really hard to just turn it off and turn it right back on. That's why I think God's plan was perfect. The you know, one day off doesn't give you two days to 
back in there that having Sundays as the rest of Sabbath instead of two days, it's really hard to get back in. And that's the same with our faith journey. It's just, for me, that's, I, I just started adding like an extra mass in the week. And cause I just like, and then I started, you know, not just once the discipline got built in, then it's like you grow in that love that you want to be there. But I think first that that comes first, that discipline that you have to build in these routines and these habits, because I know I'm a creature of habit. Mm -hmm. And then once I build those in, then it's just like, you don't have to, you get to, and then you start to grow in that relationship. I think, you know, for me at first, when I first started, it was so much of that fear-based, you mm -hmm. know, but it's a balance of, you know, I had to, I had to purge, you know, like St. John the Cross talks about the, the purgative way, the illuminative way and the unitive way. And as a convert, I had to purge a lot. I had to get a lot of these bad habits out and create these boundaries and these, you know, these guardrails to from, you know, going back to hang out with this guy or to go do, put myself in these situations where I know I would go sin and setting that up. But once I finally got that down and then I started reading scripture, when I started taking my faith seriously, getting involved in small groups, serving, doing those kinds of things. Then I started to fall more in love because I had a lot of the, the bad habits, uh, you know, to the curb and that I can had a chance to actually, where I can start to cultivate the, the relationship and the love with, with Jesus. It sounds so counterintuitive, but actually discipline and boundaries and, a, and routine, things like that actually give you more freedom yeah. as you, you know, like, learning how to play a game, you know, when you learn how to do the fundamentals, then you actually are more free to play the game and experiment with different, you know, moves and things like that as you, but you have to start somewhere. You have to have that foundation. Yeah. And, and that has to begin in a specific discipline. Right. And I think also with that discipline and stuff, it, like you said, it frees us up to be able to do things more fully and actually have fun with them and, you know, learn how to appreciate the gifts God's given us. Um, but then when we learn, you know, the fundamentals of things. And, and um, I guess people would say the rules of the church are very like strict and rigid and things. And I'm like, no, actually it gives us more, more freedom. It gives us a, mm -hmm. a space to feel safe in because then we know what's off limits and what's not. And we know what's pleasing to God and what's not. Yeah. yeah so yeah, for me coming in, it did seem like a lot of rules and I needed them. I think like, because it was a story that we were talking about with GK Chesterton where that if there aren't those boundaries that the people don't know how far they can go. And if mm -hmm. by you having those boundaries, they're willing, they're, they're safe. They feel yeah. safe to go to the edge, but they know not to go over. Right. So it likened it to a cliff. So if, if, a, if there was this cliff and there was no fence, then you'd stay really far behind the cliff. Like it's very daunting, but if right. there was a fence, you can go up to the fence, you have that safety guardrail, right? And you mm. could even hang over the fence even, yeah, but that, you know, your boundary, I get real you know, close to the fence. And this hang is, over. Yeah, this <laughs> is, this is, but this is my, so it's a little, you could look over the edge. You could, you know, but you're not cowering in fear, right? You're not right. paralyzed yeah. by, by fear. Well, I think too, where I understood it a lot better too, is when in Exodus that Moses, they didn't get the 10 commandments until after God had the relationship first mm -hmm. so when you don't have a relationship with god and it's just if it's just rules it just first no then there's no one because you don't love the person it's like yeah i'm married it's not it's not rules all it's not rules, rules. yes yeah, but it's not like i don't feel like oh, i have to stay i mean faithful. Like, just, I think of, do these just think of friendship like friendships have some kind of like there's there's rules in friendship like don't tell my secrets to people right mm -hmm. like don't backstab me hang out with me make me laugh dude like there are there are rules in in everything like if, if uh 
in, in relationships, you're not like stopping my good time by telling me I can't date other guys. Like that's right. part of the relationship yeah. is we're exclusive with but, each other. But, but without the relationship, the rules can seem like they're imposed right. for no reason at all. But then mm. it's like with raising our children, it's like, well, if we just say, just do this because I said so. You're not going to get the the attitude. Sometimes we have to. Sometimes you obviously <laughs> have to, but for the most time that. No, but explaining you know, when you explain, sometimes they're, they're pretty logical. Like, you know, for the most right. part. Right. And they'll yeah. just say, you know, you say, well, what if I didn't say this? Oh, that makes sense. You know. Right. Most of them. <laughs> I know, but that can be really difficult at times too, because sometimes you don't always notice how to answer, like you don't always know how to answer their question either. Sometimes it's like, oh, let me get back to you on that. Um, mm -hmm. Because they'll be like, why? Why do I have to do this? And it's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I ran into that situation too while babysitting quite a few times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And well, we, uh, but I think they appreciate that. If you say, I don't know, and mm -hmm. I'm, but you got to get back to them because if you don't get back to them, they're going to be like, oh, they just, they're just making this up or they just won't take you seriously. Mm -hmm. well, like I said, when I taught theology, students would ask me some really tough questions. And I, I would say, I'm not, I'm not you know, I don't have a master's in like dogmatic, you know, <laughs> I, I can, I can, look, like, I might not know the answer, but where to find it. So right. when they ask things, I would know where to find it. A lot of things were always asking about like pets making to heaven, which was interesting. That one that right. I found. So then as I kept teaching, already, there were so many questions I knew the answers to because I had to look it up because of what I was asked. So it's, it's right. Good. Questioning things is good. Que like asking questions is, is a good thing. It means that you're on a quest for truth. And, right. and honestly, no matter what our secular culture is trying to tell us, right, about relativism and, uh, you know, truth is your truth. When you hear the truth, it does hit different, mm -hmm. right? Like it, you, we're wired for the truth. I think as Ernest Hemingway said that the truth has a ring to it. It's just, it's just, I mean, you know, when you hear it and then if you're running from that, there's usually some other reason why that there's something that you're from or, or hiding from. Not ready for it. Not ready for it. Mm -hmm. Don't want to accept it. Doesn't mm -hmm. make it any less uh, true. true, you know. But also as disciples, we can't be ha hammering people over the head, right? We need to approach mm -hmm. things with love and charity and, and right. frame things in a way that, that comes from a place of love. Anytime I taught really hot button issues, I would always frame it under, you know, like inherent dignity of the, of the person. And so they really, when they understood why the church taught what it, what she teaches on, on specific moral issues, they understood the why even I had students say, I still don't agree, but now I get it. Because so it's not hate, right? It's mm. yeah, no, it comes from a place of genuine love and con concern for the individual person, and and right. that they have value and worth. And so when they understand all, I'm like, that's really the uh, for everything the church teaches that's controversial really does stem from that. Um, so I think that, and how we speak it and how we deliver it is really a lot too. Yeah, practice. Yeah, truth and love. It, it, it's it, it's a. It's a learn. You, you, you have to you either <laughs> yeah, have to learn how to do it, and you have to also. For me, a lot of times, and I know it's really hard, but I think this is the heart of what discipleship is: is intentionality. Mm -hmm. So if I know I'm going to have 
a tough question or I'm getting these conversations, I'll pause and say, Holy Spirit, come help me be with this because I don't know what to say to this person. I don't want to offend them. I don't want to come off too know it all. I don't want to come off as, uh, uh, you know, pharisaical. I don't want to act like, you know, I want to be just right. I want to draw them closer to Jesus. And sometimes the truth, sometimes they're just going to turn away. That's the, I can't handle that. But I can definitely try to have God, you know, call God's presence and try to invite him in. And I think that's just part of being disciple is being intentional. In the right yeah. time, though, there's a time and a place. Like, so me yeah. at that birthday party, I'm not going to sit there and explain, like, what the church teaches on marriage at the birthday right. party. I'm just going to kind of keep my mouth closed and just say my personal experience with this specific priest. You know, someone's complaining about a priest and divorce, you know, things like mm -hmm. that about the church. And I was like, well, I, I just know my experience with him. He was a good priest. You know what I mean? Like, I, right. I, I can't, I'm not going to go in there and say, well, actually, do you know why the church teaches that? And Jesus said, <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, there's a time and a place. Um, well, right. I, think there's, I think there's levels to and it too. It's when. like, yeah, that's it goes to the, to the rules and explaining those things to them. You have to have that relationship. Are they, you know, Sherry Waddell wrote a great book about forming intentional disciples. There's stages. There's, uh, you know, where they're curious, are they truth seeking? Are they ready? Like, do you have to, you know, to be in different they spots? They need to feel heard and trust you, or yes. else, how can you accompany them anywhere? I mean, right. then you're just somebody barking. Yeah, especially with the this orders. younger generation, right. uh, so many different studies have come out about that. That's what they want. They want to be heard. Not that I, what you're saying, and and to them, it's not even what you're saying back, but that you recognize that you like you take the time to hear out what they're asking and, and say, okay, I see where you're coming from. And then say it back. If you just listen to them, they're way more open and receptive to that. But if we just start with, well, because the Bible said so, mm -hmm. or those kinds of things, they're not going to be very receptive. It's like, yes, give them space to ask questions and find those opportunities to step into that when they're, you know, when people are, are curious or especially, you know, times of death or loss, or that's when, yeah. you know, that's when it's really easy because people, you know, what they say is the hardest time to be an atheist is when there's something to be thankful for and there's no one to thank <laughs> right. or that, yeah. or the time when someone dies and everyone just goes to heaven, they think. So right. it's like those opportunities. Atheist, there's, you don't go anywhere. <laughs> that's, that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's, you cease the, to exist. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just but for me, for our, for our journey, it's been, it's been a lot of help with having each other being the, the Catholic couple and, and growing it. And our, I don't think I would be able to grow as a disciple. We, it's hard to do it by yourself mm -hmm. so for us. Yeah, we have each other, but that still wasn't enough. So we sought out a community mm -hmm. right. of people to help share it with. And that's when I really started to grow in our similar faith. struggles and, and issues. And, and we were able to talk again, be genuine and raw with each other and, and not, have to put on a show like oh we have to be perfect yeah. and we're faithful you know people right i think it's more authentic when you're not perfect because people are you know they can relate and that's something i've definitely learned being a catholic communicator being online on social media doing these talks is when people come up to me they're like i went through this exact same experience or i went through this exact same feeling and i'm just like dude no way me too and mm -hmm. so there's a connection that's formed there and i think there's a lot that can be said opposed to somebody like trying to share their heart about a situation no matter how bad it might be maybe they struggle with same-sex attraction and instead of us going like, well, you know what the church says about that. And you know, we're right. like, you know, it's, it's more like, oh, well, tell me more about that. Like maybe there's something in there that we can find common ground on. Mm -hmm. And I think just like we're taught 
in the pro-life, um, I call it pro-life school, but when we're taught pro-life counseling and like sidewalk counseling, they tell us to find common ground with the people because yeah. that's how you form a connection in a very short amount of time as you try to agree with them on something and, and, and gain that level of, of, um, you know, friendship with them, even though it's a very small, if, if they can trust you because you guys can agree on something mm -hmm. and you're like, but this is my view. And then sometimes a lot of the times if they say their view to you and you repeat it back to them, but using different language, they're going to be like, Oh, well, I don't actually believe that, you know? Yeah. So there's certain things that we can definitely do to reach out to people. Um, but how do you think being a disciple of Christ changes your life? Well, for, for me, I every day I look back at how, what, what I used to be like to now, it's just so radically different. But it didn't happen overnight. I've been working on it for 15 mm. years. So it started with the basics, which is going to church at least every Sunday. That's the bare minimum mm -hmm. and going to, you know, but for me, it just, it just wasn't enough. I was falling more in love. So I was like, okay, well I need to, I, I was new to it. So I'm like, I had to learn. So I started reading my Bible. I took Matthew Kelly's advice and I read the gospels for, for two years straight over and over again, just read the gospels till I knew the stories. Then I started reading the whole Bible. And then it's like, then I took classes. Then I, you know, I, I went to the lay leadership uh, program at, at Mundelein. It's just trying to, a disciple is a learner. So to learn whether you have to either, you know, you know, some things you have to learn through books, but like swimming, some things you can only learn by getting in the water, mm -hmm. you know? So, mm -hmm. you know, we were moved by that first conference that we went to 14 years ago that, we were moved to want to go make disciples is that we were in a, in a, in a parish that's was mostly older people. And it was us. And it was like, we didn't want to be alone. So we're like, we need to find other people to, to do church with because it was kind of lonely. Like we don't have much in common. We had groups and stuff, but it, was, it wasn't the same. So we were really looking for other people. So a disciple is somebody who's a lifelong learner who, you know, Matthew 28 says, go make disciples. So, you can't make disciples if you're not a disciple yourself, but it's a lot easier to be a disciple with other disciples. So we started and looked for a community of, of other people who were taking their faith seriously. And we found a parish through the, they had a, a perpetual adoration chapel. That's what drew us to the, to the, to the parish. And it's like, okay, this is, this is cool. You know, we, we love adoration. We were doing it, you know, once, you know, they'd have it once a week for like a couple hours. I'm like, there's 24 seven. There's someone always in here praying. They have a whole just on this. I'm like, mm -hmm. the, the fruit coming from this place is, is you can, you can feel it. I'm like, we want to be part of something like that where people are taking their faith seriously and holding themselves accountable. But not just for themselves, but for others, for serving and trying to help other people. So we got really involved. Katie, uh, she took a position as a principal at the school. So, mm -hmm. so now she has a totally different role of making disciples. She has you know over 400 kids. So she's the, the leader of the school and to help the teachers. So she's trying to do the best she can with that. And with me, I lead a, a, a men's group that we do like workouts in the morning. And then we go, we go to mass, we go to confession, and then we kind of just hang out. And then we found, uh, we started a, a small group that uh, we have about we 20. call it Catholic House Party. It's Catholic House Party. Yeah, it's awesome. So we, we just have, have a meal and fellowship and then someone gives a talk and then we have small groups, but we all have kids. So we, right. we, have, we bring babysitters mm -hmm. because it's like, we're busy. We got kids. Mm -hmm. you know, everyone's our age, you know, uh, late, late twenties to, you know, fifties in that range. But it's just 
doing church together, but it doesn't necessarily, right. it doesn't always look like, well, you're serving the poor or your street evangelization, mm -hmm. but sharing our lives together. Like, Hey, we're going to have fellowship. We're going to pray before the meal. Someone's going to give a talk about their faith journey. And then we're going to have small group questions Then we're going to pray and we're going to sing and pray. And like, it's normal. And our kids are going to see us doing it. And right. We're going to live the faith, not just, you know, isolated for me. That's what I felt like for the first five, six years of, of my faith. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was just me. But that needs to happen. You need to have that solitary moment. You know, yeah. that, that you but and that's, God that's the start. That the a start. discipleship right. is, it's, it's, the, it's both and. That's the best part about Catholicism. It's the, the vertical with you and God, but it's also with you and everybody else. And it's a lot easier to be a disciple when, I mean, Jesus had, had the 12, you know? So it's like, can you imagine if it was just the three, you know, if, you know, they, they would have probably been hammering it out, you know, but mm. the, the 12, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a band of brothers. It's a, it's a group. So it's a lot easier to do that because you're going to fall. You're going to have issues. You're going to have loss of a job. You're going to have spouse get sick. Kids get sick. Things are going to happen. And that, having people to 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 be the church with it just makes it all that much better and having support and people who share somebody, the same stuff as you uh, one of the members of our group his dad is in his 70s and has been in a small group since oh my gosh how many like years 50 years 50 years they've been in a small group together and now they're in their 70s they're losing members wow spouses but they've been always together and meeting on a regular basis in that small group it's so cool that's amazing yeah so that's what for us helps helped our faith come alive is that being not only just on our podcast and, and the videos and stuff we do, which we started during COVID because we had all these conversations that <laughs> just we just ourselves. were kind of nerds that we wanted to just talk about these kinds of things. Our family and friend circles are very secular. They really mm. are. Um, you know, and I was, you were secular and I was too. I was just a, a, a cradle Catholic who was doing, checking the boxes, like I said, and then he became this convert that started taking it seriously. I'm like, well, dude, I just go to church. Like, yeah. You know, so I, so it, it changed things for me. Then it started making me take my faith seriously and dive deeper. And then when I experienced that coin drop of that head knowledge to heart knowledge, so I'm, I'm hardwired Catholic, right? So, you know, I'm, um, when we were at a conference, one of the speakers said that, you know, people from that grew up Catholic, they're hardwired, hardwired. They just need a, a, a switch to flip. And I, that happened. I'm like, Oh, this is not just a bunch of rules. It's a relationship. And wow, this is like, it just changed my life. And I just think about the, the family and friends who grew up the same way. I just want that switch so bad for them. It's so hard though, with the people in your circle you know, and you're, that you grew up with that new, knew you before, right? That knew you before you, you know, started to take your faith seriously. And there's still people that I love dearly. It's just so difficult because the conversations and the deep connection that I yearn for, I can't have with them. They're not there. So having that group really does, does help, um, fuel us to have the conversations and go deep and be genuine and authentic and, and topics that you wouldn't be able to have with anyone else. You right. Know? Yeah, and no, you, it and completely makes sense. And you get to share it. It's just like we're, I was a teacher and she was a teacher and I'm a principal, but the more, when you teach things and you share them, uh -oh. you get, you know them better. It's like, that's just how it works. It's just crazy how, how that works. And, and when we give, when we find out that discipleship is about giving yourself away, that's what it's about. It's about 
you know, when you figure out that this life's not about you, that it's meant to be shared, you're meant to love and sacrifice and those things, mm -hmm. that's when you grow in that in discipleship. And it's like, yeah, it, the crosses are going to come. That's guaranteed, you know, but when you got other people to help you on the journey, to mm -hmm. support you, to pray with you, to, 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 you know, go to Bible studies together with, to pray together, to be part of a group, it just makes it so much easier. Mm -hmm. Right. No, that's so true. And I just, I love this conversation because it's so fun. And I know we can talk about this forever because I love your guys' experience. And I definitely think a lot of people are going to relate to it. Coming over to like our final question is, you know, what would you guys say to someone who hears the call to be a disciple, but might be like too afraid to act on it because we do need to act on it, right? Like we established earlier, it can't just be our own solitude, you know, selves. Yeah. What would you say to someone who's afraid? I think that Catholic media today is so awesome. There's so much to learn from, choose from. I think that's what, to me, got my feet wet was just listening to good podcasts, reading good, good books, um, you know, listening to like Father Schmidt, Father Mike Schmidt's homilies, right? Like little things like that, that would, you know, I, I, I want to see like, how do I take this seriously? Like I want to inform you, you really do have to inform yourself. Right. Um, honestly, um, I would say sitting in adoration, I think That's adoration is say. the most powerful place. If I think that, Oh, I forget who he was. He's funny on, uh, on Instagram, this, one of these, one of the cool Catholic people on Instagram, right? There's so many now. Um, and he said, uh, don't take somebody like somebody's interested in the faith. Don't take them to mass, take them to adoration. Oh and yeah. The grassroots cool. Catholic. Grassroots yeah. Catholic, grassroots yeah. Catholic. yeah, yeah friends funny. with him. He's great. He's yeah, really funny. He's, yeah. And it's so, as soon as I said like, yes, that's so true. Can we say that? Can we say don't take somebody to mass? <laughs> yeah. Because but most honestly, people aren't going to get it. That is the most powerful life changing place to go to. You know, it's like it's like a tanning bed for grace. Well, I also feel like because the Eucharist is the pinnacle of our faith, like it's the mm -hmm. reason we are Catholic. If there was no Eucharist, it wouldn't make sense as to why we're Catholic, really. Yeah, right. So why not bring somebody to help them understand the Eucharist? Otherwise, you know, because the whole reason we have the mass is for the Eucharist, you know, the consecration, transubstantiation, all, you know, worship God. Mm -hmm. And if they don't understand the importance of the Eucharist, then they're not going to understand the mass. So it makes sense. Right. right. Yeah. But even just allowing, it's like you, it's kind of like surrendering to, to Jesus. Like, okay, I brought him here. Now it's all you. Like there's power in what he does and in that's, adoration. And that's so much pressure on you. And it's not so much pressure on you. It's just like, here you go, Jesus, work on him. You got this. Yeah. I think, I think adoration is also good, obviously, because Jesus is there and he's the one who's going to do all the work. But it's also a, a place where most of the people in our lives now are on their screens all day or they're in, with noise. There's not too many places where people can go with the library, silence. the <laughs> library or church. Yeah. Those are the only places you can get real good silence. And we know, you know, all throughout the, the scriptures and Psalms silence. or mm -hmm. Elijah's that God's there, not in the lightning, not in the earthquake, but in that small, still voice, especially yeah. people who are not, you know, they're, they're seeking, they're, they're trying to be a disciple. You know, they, they've maybe had an encounter and they want to go deeper in their faith. And a lot of it is, asking God, well, God, what do you want me to do? That's what I started doing. I started, I wrote that on my, on the, on my Bible, God, what do you want me to do to remind myself? Mm -hmm. Because the more I try to do what I want to do, I'm falling. I'm an idiot. I do stupid things. But if I stop and am I intentional and I try to, I love that little book by brother Lawrence practicing the presence of God. 
because that's what it is. Like you have to take that time to pause and to try to just be with God in all the moments and like, Hey, what do you want me to do? And, and, and try to try it, to live it. It also takes pressure off that person. So like, again, he's a convert. None of his brothers are practicing anything, right? It's it, he's a convert from nothing. Uh, so when we invite them to mass, that's an expectation of all the sitting and the standing and the acting right. And the, you know, like the, it's gotta be a good there's homily gotta be a good and... homily. That, but when you go to adoration, that's pressure off of the person. Like I just have to sit and listen and be calm. Okay. I could do that. I could try yeah. that. I know how many times I've taken, I've taken one of my friends to church and I'm like, please don't let this be a controversial homily. Please don't let this be a controversial right. homily. Right. Yeah. Or then you know, it's gonna be a long drive back home. Boring. <laughs> like I hope they're, you know, like oh, mm -hmm. you know, I hope they don't think this is. Too or weird. like when you have to tell them, like, hey, you can't go up for communion. Like, yeah, it is, it is really good though at our parish. Yeah, our parish I love they, this. They but I just hope that they, uh, that people like. Well, just, you're say, just hoping well, they, that people pay attention. Well, but they, they say, say they say very nicely. They say, you know, we we believe in body, you know, that this is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. If you are not in a state of grace or practicing Catholic, please come up for a blessing. Like they oh, they make that announcement before every every. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I know our church only does it for like big events or like feast days or something, but that's good that mm -hmm. they do it during mass because I think that's when we need it the most. Because yeah, you never know when who's in your audience. You know, right, right. But I, but I, I have a hard time the adoration the the whole mass thing too because that's how I became Catholic. I went to one mass, yeah, and I was true. so overwhelmed. I went we to a midnight know. mass, and God, God's if people are open, I think that's what a lot of it is is trying to help somebody take that step. Are you going to be open to it? Because if right. they're open, then mm -hmm. then then the Holy Spirit's going to do the work. It's nothing you know that I'm going to say. The pressure shouldn't be for us that well I have to make them a disciple. We're, we're called to plant seeds and to, to mm. sow them all over the place. You know, whether like that's handing them and, a prayer card or praying you're not for always going to see the fruit. That's hard for me. Right. You know, or and, not right away for sure. Right. Like I, you know, I, I taught theology for four years and I went to a luncheon and a former student of mine was there and her mom approached me later. You know, I gave her a big hug, you know, we were talking and then later the mom came up to me and said, Oh, she pointed you out when you walked in and said, that's why I'm still Catholic right there. She's why I'm still Aww. Catholic. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> you listen to me at all. <laughs> it's so crazy how that works. Like the people who you think are not maybe like past helping or anything, but maybe that don't feel like you feel like they don't hear you. You feel like they don't care about anything mm -hmm. end up being the ones who have the most, you know, beautiful conversions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, and you're not always going to see it. So yeah. it's not about you. Like we got to check our pride with that. Right. It's mm -hmm. so hard though. Cause it's not so much about pride, but as much as like, are my efforts working? Is, am I using the gifts and talents that God gave me the right way? Like, is this what he wants me to do? Like, if this doesn't work, is that God's way of saying, try something else because you know, right. So it's, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough balance when you don't. Yeah. But it, but it's worth it. It's like, but you know, that's like I was in sales before. It's like some will, some won't. Like Jesus says, if they don't listen, shake your sandals and, and move yeah. on. Our call is to to sow seeds. It's not mm. God does the work. He mm -hmm. he does the conversions. But we have to be the best billboards, like you said, to mm -hmm. to present the faith in a way. There wasn't a Bible in the early church. They converted people by their joy. And right. I think as Catholics, that's where we're lacking a lot of it is the joy of the gospel, the joy of 
having that relationship that, you know, like, oh, you have to go to church. I'm like, no, I get to go to church. I get to be with Jesus every single day. I get to receive his body blood. I said, no, I love going to church. It's like, you don't mm, understand yeah. the relationship part when you get that down and how, how much, the, you know, how, how much it helps me in my day doing that. Like, just, I can feel the difference. It's like, but when we live it that way, it's different than like, oh, you know, I got to go Sunday or, you mm. know, it's just having our, a, a joyful attitude about it. I think that what people see how you deal with things like you said like you know what we say and our our actions are going to speak louder than our words so if we handle a, a a really difficult situation a certain way it's attractive to some you know and say how did you handle that that was so great and then that gives you your opportunity to talk about your faith you know that as you cultivate it, like I, I used to pray this all the time. I want to be so saturated with you, Lord, that when I'm squeezed, only you come out because when I'm squeezed, he doesn't always come out. Right. Like I can lose my temper. I, you know, I, I get in a pity party. Like, but mm -hmm. if, I, if I'm in a situation and I handle it a certain way, like when he first converted, he was a, uh, got into like, all, how many fights have you been into? <laughs> over, 50 over 50 fights, fights. uh you know when he was right in, in college i was a bar college bouncer bartender yeah. well you know so it's funny and when he first converted there was a bar fight of course right and his brother's expecting him to jump in it because that's what old bob would have done right right and he was actually trying to mediate it and stop it and get you know get in the middle and he's like Bro, what happened to you? Like, I told you. Jesus. I'm Jesus different. happened. I'm Blessed now. are the peacemakers. <laughs> right? I was like, oh, gosh, we were all like sweating. Like, what's going to happen? That's what it was the first like it showed in front of other people in a different. But that's yeah, that's like, it. Wait, but then what? then it, they started noticing like what's going on. But but mm. then my family doesn't they don't they don't. But like on Christmas, they we've always celebrated Christmas, but we had no relationship with God. But now it's like, hey, uh, they know uh, oh, you're the religious one. So, hey, mm -hmm. do you want to lead prayer? Like they'll right. say it. Yeah. So there are opportunities and we don't know what's going to happen down the road, but right. it's, I think it is our opportunity our, our responsibility when we have those opportunities to be bold, to share mm -hmm. the faith, you know, cause it's uncomfortable and it's weird. And most Catholics, you know, that's, you know, that's evangelicals do that, or I'm not, you know, I'm not trained or, you know, mm -hmm. you don't have to be trained. You don't, have to have ways, you, know, you don't have to have a theology. You don't have to have a theology degree to, to, to share your relationship and no one can argue with mm -hmm. your relationship. They can rely, right. you know, they, they can yeah. argue with, you know, teachings and stuff like that but hey i was lost now i'm found mm -hmm. i used to be a bar fighter now i go to daily mass mm -hmm. i used to be angry now i i'm, I'm joyful I'm a little bit angry i'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm angry at sin <laughs> you you reorient priorities yeah that's it you know but no i love that but yeah we uh we're enjoying it we we love uh we love talking about discipleship because like I said, it's, it helps us always re when we're talking about it, we're growing about it. Right. We're thinking about these things that matter. What's more important. The, the purpose of our life is to know, love and serve. The first part is no. Okay. As a disciple, you should start reading the Bible. You should, you know, definitely go to, to confession at least once a month to, to mm -hmm. have your, your check-in and to confess and to, to stay in a state mm -hmm. of grace, go to mass and then do the base, like to the then you start to fall in love mm -hmm. and then you're filled with that love that you want to share it with other people. That's mm -hmm. the know, love and serve God and then serve others. But right. it's a progression because if you don't know, it's hard to love. If you don't mm -hmm. love, then you're not going to want to serve. So it's like sometimes you got to start if you if, if you're just new to this and you want to be a disciple, then try to get to know 
God better through his word, through the sacraments, through the church. And then you, you build that relationship. Then you're going to want to share it with other people. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Wow. You guys, this is so great. I love how we packed so much into such a short, well, I guess it's been an hour. It's so crazy how fast time goes, <laughs> you know, but I know. no, I love it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. You guys for coming on and talking about this very important topic. Um, I really appreciate it. No, thanks for having yeah. us. We love talking about it. Of course. Where can my listeners find you guys? Uh, we're, our podcast is the Catholic couple podcast. And then on Instagram, we're the Catholic couple one. one. We're and Catholic then, couple um, one. <laughs> yeah, the, the person at Catholic, I tried buying the Catholic, the original, and they didn't want it. They but, wouldn't want to sell it. But we had, we, we, we started the social media later. We started the yeah. podcast before, but right. we have a smaller YouTube channel. We're going to start doing more YouTube stuff. So we're the Catholic yeah. couple on YouTube also. Awesome. But Instagram is probably the best spot. I'm on there a lot posting and. Right. And the, the podcast is on iTunes, Spotify. It's on all of it. Google. So. Wonderful. Wow. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much guys for coming on and hopefully we'll have you on again. Anytime. Yeah. Thank thanks, you. Sam. All right. Thanks so much guys. And all right. with all of that being said, I hope that this podcast helped anyone who is struggling in this area. Maybe you learned something new and I'll talk to you guys in the next one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Amber Rose and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright by the Religious Hippie NFP. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for The Religious Hippie at thereligioushippie.com or find me on social media for other unique content. A quest is a search for something. And every week, the Quest podcast will show you how we know what we know through interviews with people that have incredible stories of dedication and perseverance. I'm your host, Todd Fisher. Join me in this thought-provoking and inspiring podcast of discovery. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts.